Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Verses 1 through 8 to give us a head start, okay? This is what the scripture says. As for you, Titus, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect, and to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train. That word train can also be interchangeably with the word disciple. Train the younger women to love their husbands and their children to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, and to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. Now, let me just clarify a couple of things. Submissive to their husbands. That word submissive means to come under in an orderly way. And it's really pointing to the fact that the husband is under the Lord Jesus Christ. The husband is first submitted to God. And then as the husband is submitted to God, under God, the wives come under their husband, and the husband covers and protects and nurtures his wife and his family, but it's all under God, first and foremost, right? So this is not a bad word. I want to make sure we understand it in the biblical sense of the word. I'm going to keep reading verse 6. In the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely. And you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticized. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. So do you notice that this is something that's applicable to everyone in the room? Older women, younger women, older men, younger men, pastors. This is a letter to the church. So it's something that's applicable. The title of our talk today is, I Need You and You Need Me. Okay, I brought these women up here so that they can help us. Some of you may not know them. This is Meg over here to my far left, right? Her and her husband are part of our church family. They serve in so many ways. We love them. This is Krista. Some of you know her. Her and her husband serve as the Kids directors. We love them. This is my wife, Yolanda. We love her, right? Amen. <laughs> we really, really love her, right? Yes. And then we have Catherine over here to my right. We love her and David and their family, and they bring so much to our church family. And then we have Jackie over here to my far right. 
And uh, we've invited them um, because I know nothing about raising kids uh, like a mom does. So we, we want their advice and we want their insight. Let me just kind of highlight a couple of things that we're, we're going to accomplish, okay? So first, just a reminder, not all women are biological moms, but all spiritually maturing women can step into a role of a spiritual mom or a spiritual mentor, right? And spiritual moms and mentors are necessary and they're important in the body of Christ. I also want to highlight to the younger women uh, the importance of being good spiritual daughters too, right? There's so much to glean from the older women. There's a lot of biblical encouragement in finding those that you can glean from their wisdom, and their insight as older women. And finally, while speaking to mothers, all this can be relevant to men too because men um, need spiritual insight and spiritual guidance. Men need to become spiritual fathers, and the younger men need to be looking for men that they can look to for spiritual mentoring and discipleship so that we can continue to grow strong and healthy. So the overall goal and objective today is uh, we want to hear some insight. We're going to ask some questions, and we're going to have some discussion, and we're going to glean some wisdom from these women that we've invited to the panel today. And we just want to highlight the importance of being spiritual moms and biological moms and how that works in the family and in the church family. So, Yolanda, why don't you start us off with the first question uh, to the ladies here. Okay. Okay. Describe someone in your life, I guess I'll direct this to Jackie, okay, if you would please. Describe someone in your life who has been an inspiration and a mentor, helping you develop in your relationship with the Lord. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Um, yes, God sent me a spiritual mom. She was a woman who had lost her own son to heart disease at the age of 21. Her husband divorced her. Later, her new stepdaughters wouldn't accept her. She was so, uh, she just couldn't seem to find um, a way to share. Um, she authored the King's Diet and Cookbook and taught a Bible class. I didn't know it was a Bible class, it was a nutrition class. Um, my. I had one son, Luke, and my husband and my son needed me, but I was suffering from postpartum depression, and it had its grip on me. My past and the choices I had made just had me, I was just so guilt-ridden, and it blindsided me, and I was mentally unstable. I remember rocking in a chair as I was just despondent, you know, I just couldn't live. And I even thought of suicide, that that brought this, it, it's weird, but it brought a peace in my heart to cope that day. And I was 26 years old. And my father, he was a brilliant man, he was a college graduate advertising executive, and he had mental issues and because I looked like him 
I assumed I was going to be like him. And so that also kept me bound. And I thought I was doomed. But God, God sent me someone. I attended her nutrition classes. And I noticed scripture. Because you know when you never read scripture, you see 1 Kings 2 dot dot sick. Yeah. And you know, what is that? You know, so... She had all the references. She also had these bright, shining eyes and this smile, this radiant smile. And I remember thinking, I want what she has. It was just beautiful. Um, and that glimmer of hope, like it sparked something inside of me that I wasn't, like it was the next thing I was, I don't know, it was hope. She was an Atlanta debutante. She was a printing heiress, and she lived next door to the Coca-Cola family. And they told them, don't ever drink Coke because there's coca leaves in it. They're secret. So don't ever drink Coke. Um, <laughs> she, took, she took me under her wing. I mean, she had a class. She had, there were hundreds of people, but for, she took me under her wing. She needed me as much as I needed her. She told me some things that I needed a Bible. So here's my Bible, 40 years old. Joey bought it for me, and he said, once he saw me write in it, and he was just, you can't write in that book? (laughs) We didn't didn't know. Um, And it was a King James Thompson chain reference. She also told me to attend a Bill Gothard seminar. I don't know, some of you might know, but his thing was, God isn't finished with me yet. You can't change where you were born. You can't change your parents, who you were birthed to. You couldn't change your age. Mm -hmm. But you could change your life through the word of God. The third thing she said is to go to a Bible study, so... Bible Study Fellowship was in Texas, and we, I attended it, and the thing was, if you don't study, you couldn't participate, and so what woman can sit there and not talk, so it made you study, and it was also in King James, I just assumed everybody learned <laughs> King James, um, and the, the last thing she said was to be part of a church. So we found Livingstone's church, and our pastor was saved under John Osteen. So whoever came to Lakewood came to our church. And um, although my own mother, so dear to me, she lived in Pennsylvania, and she was far away. And I didn't have her close by. I didn't have her to be there to touch and to take my kids. <laughs> um, <laughs> She called every Saturday. I know she probably prayed, God, would you send someone to help her? Mm. And it was that human touch that I needed. And she shared the gospel. She shared Jesus in my kitchen. I was on the phone and she shared the gospel. I remember getting saved, but then we started going to church. And I remember going to a nine o'clock service and didn't go up at the altar call. 
And I was so upset that I turned around and went back to the 11 o'clock service wait, and walked the aisle. And that, that evening was water baptized. So that was the beginning of my relationship with my spiritual mother, Martel Schambach. Amen. Yes, amen. Thank you so much, Jackie. How long have you had that Bible? 40 years old. Wow. 40 years old. Wow. Wow. And I remember keeping my... Like, you'd go to church, and they'd say, turn to John 3.16, and i go, who is that? So I would look in my table of contents, and it was on a certain page, and he would wait. He'd say, when I hear the pages stop. So we learned how to find things in the Bible. That's great. That's great. Thank you so much. What a great, what a great testimony, huh? Amen. Okay, um, Krista, would you like to go ahead and share um, on the same, that same question, please? Um, hi, I'm Krista. <laughs> hey, um, <laughs> I just want to start by saying I have many spiritual mothers, and a lot of them are on this stage, sisters in Christ, and I just love you guys. Um, but I was introduced to God. I'm a very emotional person, and Jackie's testimony kind of set me over, so sorry. <laughs> Um, but I was introduced to God by my husband's family, and um, it really wasn't in, they never really said, oh, you have to do this, or you have to do this. It was just how they lived. That's just what they were. And um, I remember going and meeting them, and David not even, didn't even warn me <laughs> of what I was really getting into, um, but it was not what I would expect. My mom had raised us a little bit in the Catholic Church and really was kind of lost in that, so never fulfilled it through. Um, But my biggest influence out of my husband's family was by far my mother-in-law. She is amazing. Um, She, when I met my mother-in-law, she um, received me with openness and love And she never asked me about my journey or even if I had a journey, (laughs) which at the time my journey was whatever I wanted. And, you know, I really loved her son, but I also, what I thought was living free was not. Um, And she just received me. And and very soon on in our relationship, we became really good friends. And um, we lived about two and a half hours from her, but she would come and visit me when David would go out of town because we were really friends. And, and um, every time I went to visit her with him, I would go to church with her and I would listen to them pray and I would be encouraged. But that was kind of where I left it, you know, for a while. But um, like I said, she never questioned me or who I was. She embraced me as a person and she just showed me that, you know, what God's love is. Jesus is going to receive you just like that. He's, he's ready for you to come right where you are. And um, she, she just taught me so many things, not by forcing them on my life, but just subtle seeds in my heart and how she embraced me and loved me. And she knew that God had a plan for her son and he had a plan for me and she wasn't going to try to stop that. She, you know, a lot of moms and like being a mom of who I hope to be Christian children someday. I, you know, and I've had conversations with Jackie as well about this. And she says, 
oh my gosh, you know, you weren't a Christian. Like, that's big for a mom who's raising their kids in God. You want them to find someone that knows God. So um, she planted little seeds on my heart. And over time, she taught me that Jesus' love is, unlim- is limitless. It's, it's meeting people where they are. She's taught me that, that being free in who you are in Christ is you're different than everybody around you for a reason because the people that I'm going to reach for God are not the same people that you guys may reach for God and that we need to embrace our differences because we need to be used. But the, by far the most important thing that my mother-in-law has taught me is to center my life on God. On my wedding day, she said to me, I know that you're the right person for my son, but you guys need to put God in the center of your marriage. And she said that to me, and she said, if you don't, the hard times, you're not going to make it through. No matter if you're made for each other or not, it's going to be hard. And I already had Gavin. We already had a son when we got married. And um, I lived in New York, and we were moving down south a month later. And I remember just thinking about that and focusing on that. And I had no idea how to do that. I had no idea how to come out from my mother-in-law and do that on my own. So just resonated with me and we moved down south and not even a month later, um, I was alone outside of my hometown. I had never been without my parents. I'd never lived outside my hometown and I didn't know anyone. I was a stay-at-home mom and I had to step out in faith on my own. And I did, I took that step, I found Lakeshore and um, I went week after week and God just put people in my life. I was very lost, I didn't know what I was doing. I was intimidated about whatever was happening. And um, God just kept bringing me people. And actually, I, this, I have to say this. I wasn't going to say this, but one of the spiritual mothers that was on my heart is Miss Fiona over here. Um, she helped me in my journey so much. I'm going to cry because she's here. <laughs> but um, in Tiga Kay, I was really broken one night. I just wanted to move back to New York. I just wanted to be home. And Fiona and the Copley family used to sit in front of us. And I went without David to church, which I went from my mother-in-law being my crutch to my husband being my crutch for sure. And I was alone. I stepped out in faith because I know I needed God that day. I just was broken. And Fiona had turned around, and I've had this conversation with her, but she just said things to me that I needed. They were from God. And not long after that, her husband baptized me, and they are my family. And God has sent me so many spiritual mothers like Fiona and people to receive me where I was. Fiona knows my history. She knows my past, and she accepts me every single step. So I just want to give her a shout out too. <laughs> but I was surprised to see her here today, but she was definitely on my list of spiritual mothers. So I just wanted to share that little ex. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. What such beautiful stories. How God, I don't want to get all choked up, but just how God moves in our lives and all the different ways. You know, we think that he, Lord, how are you going to do something with this? You know, where I'm at. But he takes us exactly where we're at. And he knows how to bring us right to that place where where he can start speaking to us and directing us. And it's just so, it's, he's just so amazing. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so I have a follow-up question. Um, how has the influence of a spiritual mother or sister impacted you in family life, service, ministry, and in the workplace? Meg, would you like to answer that? So um, I was raised in church. Um, in addition to my mom being my mom, she was very much um, a spiritual mother for me. I've had a, a few over my lifespan so far. And uh, for years, I remember watching her daily to spend time in the Word, just on her knees for uh, an hour in the morning, just really be with the Lord. She quietly served in a variety of ways, being the hands and feet of Jesus, meeting practical needs um, where she lived within her sphere of influence. And I, like I said, I witnessed this all my life. Her example really demonstrated how close she was to the Lord. You knew that she had something special. She had that servant's heart. My mom went home to be with the Lord about three and a half years ago, and kind of simultaneously, I was blessed with more and different opportunities to serve, primarily at the church that we were attending at the time, but also with my family. And dutifully and gratefully, that mantle was passed, and I've been able to continue that foundational legacy that my mom began. And it was my mom's example and her quiet serving that have influenced me the most. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's interesting you say that quiet serving, but it speaks volumes, right? Because you see the actions, right? The quietness, but you see that. And thank you. Thank you so much for that. Um, and Catherine, would you like to go ahead and also comment on that, please? Sure. Well, I have a little bit of an interesting journey. I was actually a, a believer quite young in my life. And then in my young adult years, I had the opportunity to live with a family, Mike and Sharon Mattingly. And Sharon, I saw something in her, similar to what you said with your mentor that you have met. I saw something in her and her husband that I wanted. I wanted to be able to pray like they prayed. They were amazing prayer warriors. And we had, I had the opportunity to live with them. By living with them, I learned so much. Every morning we would have prayer time together. We would pull out a guitar, sing, read scripture, and then share what God was saying to us, what we, insights we had from the scripture. It was a great opportunity. And Sharon and Mike have been huge influences in my life for a long time, even to this day. Beyond learning that spiritual discipline of prayer and how to journal, Sharon woke up in the morning, she had carpal tunnel, she could barely write, and she would still journal every morning faithfully. And I learned that from her, how to be able to pray and how to write down what God was speaking so that I could remember what he was saying. It was really an important foundation that I think they helped to lay in my life, and I was able to build upon that foundation, which is very, very dear to me. She was also quite the encourager, and if you would, the person to push me into things that were uncomfortable at times, which I appreciated. One of the things she did, she was not a matchmaker by any sense of the imagination, but one day... She just asked me, what is God doing in your heart about Dave Millette? I was like, what? <laughs> but I had to face the reality that God was doing something in my heart about Dave Millette. 
and that that was going to be the future person I would marry. So she really had a lot of influence in my life and laid a, a foundation of trusting in God for things too. And on the practical side, I learned a lot from her with relationship to how to raise a family. I saw things in the way they did with their children, things I appreciated and would take into our family, and things that I thought, yeah, you know, I'm not going to do that with my kids. But that's okay, right? It's okay to learn those things. And the simple things like she would plan out a menu because we were not rich. We were actually quite poor. She would plan out a menu, shop according to that menu. And every week we met the budget because of that. And I took that into my family when we got married and I made a menu, shopped according to the menu. And when things were tight in the beginning of our life, we always managed to make ends meet because of some of the things that I learned from that relationship. Oh, thank you so much. So, so much. Thank you. Great, great testimony so far. Great insight. Thank you for sharing, ladies. I want to just take us over to Deuteronomy chapter 6 as we continue this panel discussion. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. Uh, those will be on the screen, but I'm going to back up one verse, and I'm going to read one verse out of my Bible and then get back to 6 and 7. Verse 5 says... You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So Moses is communicating this to the children of Israel, to God's people. And then he says, and these words which I command you today, I'm reading out of the New King James, so sorry, shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. So he's encouraging parents to pass down the words of God to their children. So I want to kind of pose a question to you ladies. Um, taking these words and this scripture into mind, what does that mean to moms and to parents today? In other words, what does that look like practically in your everyday living as moms and as parents today as you're raising your kids? And Jackie, would you speak into that a little bit, please? Well, in my Bible, I have my, that's, that was our homeschool scripture. And I also have the Great Commission written so long ago. Um, we'll teach them, well, when? You know, our son was in school all day. I got him at three or four when the bus would bring him. And it's like, how do you do that? And um, about that time, um, he was in a Christian school, so he was learning the word. But I started to meet Christian homeschool families. I met two. And I loved their children. I loved the respect I saw in how they treated their parents. And I... Gosh, they obeyed. You know, it was just something I wanted. <laughs> I wanted for my family. Um, I made a very hard decision back then. I used to work for the uh, Lockheed at the Space Center in Houston. And it was fun. I mean, I liked it. I, was, I had a good job. And so as I had children, I would go back part-time. They'd call and ask me to come back. And I did. And... 
so, but there was a moment when I just couldn't do everything anymore. And um, so I was asking God, the first time I ever heard God really speak to me, I said, I went, I went into my hiding place, you know, the bathroom, <laughs> to get away. <laughs> and um, I said, uh, what should we do? And I heard him. He said, why don't you homeschool? And back in Texas in those days, you know, you were a pioneer. You know, nobody homeschooled. You know, the truant officer would come after you. Um, and, I, and so then Joey came home, and he says, yes. He confirmed it. So we took our fourth grader out of Livingstone's Christian School. We had a kindergartner and an infant. And Sing, Spell, Read, and Write from CBN became our curriculum. And I used to keep the paper underneath my desk, and there's my girl. And I, it, it, it would say, teacher, say this. <laughs> and, and I'd say, okay. You know, I didn't know what to do. Um, and so we kept the Abeka curriculum for Luke, and it's very high standards. Uh, scripture memorization was really big. Again, King James, see why I was so ingrained? Um, so we started each day with prayer, songs, the pledge, and we talk about our plans for the day. Um, church became our social life. We whatever we learned, they learned. Um, I even put, you know, the scripture day and night. I even put cassette tapes in the hallway so they, their little spirits would hear the word, hear the songs. Uh, one, one day, our six-year-old, a six-month-old, was sick. Her little fontanelle was swollen, visibly. And she had, was, had fever. And the life flight helicopter took her to Herman Hospital. And wow. we didn't know if she was going to live. Wow. She had spinal meningitis. And at the time, we had a, it was cassettes. And we would turn the cassette over. Songs. Prayer. We... Um, Dodie Osteen was diagnosed with cancer that she had a few months to live and she kept the word of God before her all over the house and, you know she's still alive today and so she did it and so we did it and um, there was when, when Lauren was out of the woods we um, had to see if she lost her hearing because that was one of the side effects of meningitis and I was in a darkened room she was all probed up, and uh, I, I know an angel was with us. I know it w an angel was with us, and I was calm, and we, I, I just felt so close to God. Um, the second time God spoke to me was during a time when I decided to volunteer at the crisis um, pregnancy center, but before I could counsel other women, I had to go through their, their curriculum. We had lost a baby years ago, and when I asked God, what did I have? He said, you would have had a son, and you would have named him Jonathan. Mm. So God knew my heart was still carrying this grief and this shame, and he wouldn't have any of it. He wanted me free. Um, 
And so through this curriculum, through this, these other four women, we delved into every aspect of our lives. And we were so clean. We were so free. It was such a wonderful time in our lives. And so free that nine months later, (laughs) we had a son and we named him Levi. Joseph joined with God, that God was my friend. So our family was very involved with church. Um, We always thought we'd send them back to real school, but every year we didn't. Um, Joey taught children's church. I mean, these churches in Texas, there were hundreds of kids. And so he was very active, and I was always in the nursery because I always had kids. And and we were, you know, I did children's plays because I had homeschool kids. I wanted them to learn the arts, you know, and sewing costumes and designing sets. And swim team was our sport. You know, you have this thing, you want your kids social. But not really. You know, you want them out there, but more so in home. And um, so we went all over the Blue Ridge going to these swim meets and piano lessons and guitar lessons. So as our children grew into young adults, we seemed to meet these changes as a new adventure. Because I've never been a a mother to adults. I mean, it's kind of hard to step back and let them decide and me just watch it and not say anything. But then you sometimes can say things. And so anyway... um, That's how we incorporated, that's how Jesus became part of our everyday family life. And I wouldn't change a thing. I mean, I started working at Samaritan's Purse and I looked at, I'm a social security person now, and I looked at my my work schedule. So I see all these years that I worked in the workplace and then there's all these dots, all those years that I didn't work and then Samaritan's Purse seven years ago, typing. But those years with all the dots, those were the years that I invested in my children. And gosh, we had fun. It was just a fun time. And I'm glad I am glad that we did that. Homeschool. Yeah, thank you, Jackie. Talk talk about talk about taking the word of God literally, right? Teach your kids, all right? You're coming home, and we're going to school you from now on, right? Awesome. What a great story. What a great testimony. How about you, Krista? What does that look like in your life, raising your kids? Well, <laughs> kind of like Jackie, I am a stay-at-home mom. I, my husband asked me to be a stay-at-home mom when I was pregnant with our first child, and I come from a mom who is a hustler. She does not, not work, ever. So my immediate response was, no, (laughs) I'm okay. I need to take care of myself. You know, that was my initial response. But after looking over it financially, it was probably better that I stayed home. So I did. And this was before we moved down south. Um, But I didn't really know, you know, how important that really is, like Jackie said, and how, you know, um, your ministry is really at home first. So I I was a stay-at-home mom, and when 
And I always focused on, my son was about almost one when my mother-in-law had given me that advice on my wedding, and I always focused on that. And to this day, that is the best advice ever given to me because it's on repeat in my head a lot. It comes up a lot. And I really, truly try to focus my family um, around God. Um, that's the number one priority. We pray together every day in my house. We read the word at the dinner table if we don't have time other times in the day because it is busy. So we make sure to make time for that. Um, and my husband and I serve and plan and prepare every week, but we don't just have our kids watch. They're included. My kids are cutting stuff for children's ministry and helping build <laughs> things and getting ready. And we don't, we encourage them to be leaders themselves. We say you're little leaders of God. You're in ministry with us. You're not just along for the ride. Yeah, you have to get up early on Sunday mornings. You got to be here early. You got to leave late, but they're in it with us. We try to make them a part of it. And we don't just keep it within our four walls. You know, like Jackie said, she was taking them places, but she was taking God with her. And can I just say, Jackie and Joey still, their kids are grown and their kids, their grandkids, and they're still serving in children's ministry. They're still walking with God in a mighty way and being spiritual parents to more than just their own family. And that's what we intend to do. We try to be intentional everywhere we go. We travel, we love to travel, but we try to make it missional. We always pray to God that if he's gonna make a way for us to do the things that we want, that we can be missional in that. And when we see people in the street, we pray for them. When we, last week we saw a guy at Cracker Barrel, I think he was there for a job interview, he was an older man, and we prayed for him because he's an older man, maybe he needed a job, maybe he was just there for conversation. But whatever it was, we prayed that God would open a path for him, would find a way and would let him be led by him. Um, if there's an accident on the side of the road, we don't just drive by. We take a moment to pray for everybody involved, the first responders, the families. We hope that everyone is okay, but we don't know. And we carry blessings bags. We have them in our car, and when wow. we walk in the street, we have them, and we take every opportunity we can to bless somebody. They're just little bags filled with essentials that you may need. Um, it has a prayer card in it, and it has... God's truth in it about how much he loves you. And, you know, we just try to build a foundation on that. We try to just take Jesus wherever we are. Amen. And we just try to spread that love to everybody. Amen. I really, truly try to focus my whole family around that. Wow. Amen. Aren't you glad she's our Al Kids director? <laughs> so good. So good. Well, listen, let me just streamline this question to Meg and Catherine, okay? Life uh, for moms uh, and wives, it can be a balancing act at times, right? So how do you balance that? God, family, career, and everything that goes with being a woman. How do you balance that in, in walking with Jesus personally while balancing all that? Meg? So like Miss Jackie, I homeschool as well. Um, my work play, life, church, it's all a blur. It all blurs together for me. Um, I love my kids. I love being with my kids 24-7. They drive me nuts, but that's okay. That's beside the point. I do love being with them. So that being said, um, I was able to be a part of a WIML seminar, Women in Ministry Leadership. Okay. That is an eight-month process. It's a four-square thing. It's an eight-month process of mentors, coaches, a lot of introspection and a lot of letting the Lord really do an overhaul in your life. 
The last big thing we had to do was come up with a mission statement, life mission statement. After nearly two months of prayer and a lot of hair pulling on my part, um, this one is mine. I am called to shepherd by loving those around me, leading by example, and laughing along the way. By discovering that statement and having that aha moment, it is not just how I lead others, but how I lead where I am planted. This season of life has me planted at home, serving. So one of my strengths is shepherding. It's who I am. It's how I live my life daily. And so my time with Jesus is not just a little bit of time compartmentalized. He is 24-7. I have to be 24-7. My life mission statement reminds me daily to walk with Jesus in all the moments in my little mission field and use that statement as my compass. Amen. Good. We're so glad that you're part of our Gastonia family too. Such a blessing. Thank you for sharing that. How about you, Catherine? How do you balance it all and still walk with Jesus personally? Balance? That's a good word. (laughs) I actually heard somebody say one time, rather than saying balance, you want the fullness of all, right? right? You want the fullness of everything that God has for you. And that's truly what we want. Now, I think it's really important, and Jackie stated it the other night when we were going through these questions together as a team. She said, one of the things is build your foundation upon prayer in the morning, and it helps to guide your whole day. And I thought that was really profound. I personally am not a morning person, just to say right there. (laughs) But you know what? If I wake up at 3 in the morning, I can pray really good. So it's really important to just pray without ceasing and to... The scripture out of um, Thessalonians, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And that to me is something that I think is really important in how I balance life, is that I can be washing the floor or taking a shower or working or driving my car or whatever I'm doing on the phone with a coworker and I can pray without ceasing. And it's amazing how God can even speak to you if you're in that mode all day long. Because there's been times where I'll have a coworker tell me things that are going on in their life. And my thought is, I'll pray for you. But then I say, wait a minute, let me pray for you now. And it's like, let the Lord work in those moments because he does. And it's a blessing for them, but it's also a blessing for you. And it's just to pray without ceasing and let God direct your day. Amen. So good. Thank you for that. So this, this will be a, a wrap-up question. And I want each of you ladies to just quickly speak into this. Like, what would be a final word of encouragement for, for anyone here who is seeking or who would like a spiritual mom or a spiritual mentor uh, applicable to the men also. What, what would you say to them and what should they look for in a spiritual mentor? Jackie. I would say to enjoy the presence of the Lord. Just enjoy him. Just be with him. Live in the moment. Take stock of yourself. Well, for me, I'm a woman. I have a husband, I, I have children, I have grandchildren. He will never leave me, he'll never forsake me. 
There was a time when I thought, if no one loves me, at least I know Jesus loves me. I am forever his. I'm crowned with glory. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. There was a Facebook picture with a little girl, beautiful little girl, adjusting her crown. You know, when life gets tough, remember whose daughter you are and adjust your crown. And as you go, the Great Commission, just live free. Share Jesus through a smile or a baked cake or a handshake. And my scripture was Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that over you today. Good. Thank you, Jackie. How about you, Catherine? For me, I think it's looking for the giftedness in others and going after that. For example, when I said Mike and Sharon, they, had, they were prayer warriors, and I wanted that. We had other people in our lives, Tom and Kathy, who are our former pastors, who were real leaders in the church, and I wanted their leadership style. I wanted that imparted into my life. And so we, we would let them mentor us and be open to the mentoring that they had, be open to the correction, the leading, the discipleship. And then in turn, I would encourage each of us, you know people around you who are ready to be discipled, reach out and disciple them as well. Amen. Good. Thank you for that. Great. How about you, Krista? Um, Well, the first word that came for me was endurance because the women in my life that I have seen that are spiritual leaders to me, they have been through it a lot and they have never lost their focus on the Lord. That's what gets them through the hard times and that's encouraging to me because I know that hard times are come. I've had hard times and thankfully uh, these women have led me and that during the most difficult time in my life I did know the Lord and I, I focus on, you know, how hard it must be. Even in a day-to-day, like you said, your kids drive you crazy and these women are still fighting for their families when I know that their husbands and their kids drove them crazy too. (laughs) So I just really admire them for that. And I can see that not only during this and holding on to God's truth, they were strengthened. They not only overcame it, but they were changed because of it and they were stronger in Christ. So I just think about that, that, you know, I just focus on that and the word these times when we're tested, those are the times that are going to strengthen us the most. God is focusing on how you're going to react to that situation. Are you going to lean on him? Are you going to stray away and try to figure it out on your own? Because we have to lean on God. We have to, again, pull it back, center him in our lives so that we can endure all things. Amen. Good. Thank you for that, Krista. Take us home, Meg. Take us home. (laughs) Okay. Um, I have found that a spiritual parent should be honest, forthright, and be willing to give correction. My former pastors, it's a husband and wife team, Will and Janice Fillingham up in um, Virginia where we moved from, um, they are very much my spiritual parents despite them basically being my age, which is really feels really weird, but that's okay. Um, they were, I, I learned and grew so much under their mentorship because they were willing to go that extra mile to be open, honest, and real. They're not, 
oh yes, let's, let's just keep the peace, yes to everything. No, they would speak in love, but stand on God's Word as the truth. Pastors Will and Janice were real and honest, and it made it very easy to learn from. Amen. Amen. So listen, let's just tie all of this up. We are so grateful for the moms and the women in our lives. But men, remember, this is applicable for us too. We need each other. We all need each other in order to grow healthy and strong in the Lord. We need each other. Christianity is not supposed to live out just me and Jesus. We need each other. So if there isn't a person in your life that you're gleaning from, that you're connecting with, or those of you men and women that are mature in your walk with the Lord, who has the Lord have you pouring into, nurturing and strengthening? Why is that important? Because if we're going to grow strong and healthy in the Lord, we need each other. Amen. Would you just give these women an applause and thank them for being here with us? Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.